podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. Welcome back to a brand new TT Pod. I'm your host, Ben, and today I am joined by Craig. How are you doing, my friend? Oh, you're on mute. Let me unmute you. That's my fault. That's my bad. There we go. Oh, very good. Very good, Ben. How are you? How are you? Yeah, I'm all good, mate, especially after yesterday's win, which we will get into. And uh, also joining us is uh, a wild Mike Quill. So, uh, yeah, how are you right, doing, my friend? I'm, I'm great. I finished work exactly 30 seconds ago, and then I rushed wow. to make sure I could log in. So, there we go, boys. Craig, lovely to see your face, mate. Long time, though. See, I thought marriage had killed you. I was uh, oh him. yeah, absolutely, absolutely. That's why you haven't. That's why you haven't seen me. You know, it's just a yeah. married man who's been trapped yeah, yeah. away. I'm like, a <laughs> you've been trapped away in a cage. The beard's coming along, uh, along nicely though, brother. But how yeah. you doing, Ben? You doing okay? I'm all good, bro. Thank you. Um, you guys did a good show the other night with the the um, Bournemouth preview. So uh, well uh, done on that one. But uh, yeah, we're back now, guys. We've got an action-packed um, hour-long or so pod tonight. We've got a lot to get into. We're obviously going to discuss the game yesterday. That's going to be a big portion of it because we, there's a lot to break down from that game. Then we're going to preview Fulham. And then we're going to uh, speak a little bit about the academy and a few of the, the players that we've been using this season from our academy. So if you're watching on YouTube, please make sure you're subscribing to the channel, first and foremost, uh, so you don't miss any future streams or pre-recorded stuff because there's more content coming out now. Um, also... If you're on Twitter, because we like to put this out on Twitter, because I know people have different preferences, retweet it, drop a like, get involved in the conversation on there. Um, and obviously, if you're on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, just drop us a follow on there. Whatever you're doing, whatever platform you're watching us on, just support us the way you can. And speaking of support, massive shout out to our channel sponsor, Your Foot Card. These guys have been incredible for us. Um, you know, they've been really, really generous and uh, absolutely fantastic company. And I'm not just saying that because they're sponsoring us. I actually have. Um, a card here, a Kenny Dog Leash one. This is the one that I always go to show, but there's a couple more down there. But this is the King Kenny one. And right now, they have just released, if I go on to create cards here, the brand new, where is it? I was looking at it a minute ago. Bear with me. Team of the Year design. There we go. Beautiful blue and gold. Um, and if you didn't know, Trent, uh, not Trent, Virgil and Alisson are in Team of the Year. Um, Trent could potentially be in it. He is up against Cristiano Ronaldo for the 12th man vote. Um, so if you want, if you've got FIFA, log on, vote for Trent so he gets in there. But um, for Trent. Yeah, give a, there's some giveaways coming as well. Um, for Alison and Virgil card on Twitter tomorrow, so stay tuned for that. Get involved with that when you see it. Yourfootcard.com. Usually, I would say use our uh, discount code to get 15% off. I've just checked on here and it says use Jan Cell for 25% off. So there you go. Get an extra cheeky 10% off by using uh, Jan Sale at checkout. But yeah, amazing company. Brilliant quality cards. You're not going to find a better company than this if you want physical cards um, for a gift for you know yourself or your loved ones or your kids, whatever. So check them out. Support the guys. Follow them on Twitter. All that good stuff. Uh, Luke says, all right, guy, guys, how's it going? It's going very good, mate. It, it's, it's definitely gone a lot worse over the last year for us um, doing these shows. So uh, we can't complain about much at all. And Alfred says, how long is Salah out? Now, I don't know if you've seen the news that just come out from uh, Mohamed Salah's agent. He said that it's looking like, um, I think he said up to a month. Uh, 21 to, a month. to 28 days. Yeah, yeah. so... We'll get into Salah. We'll definitely talk about him a bit later on, but um, I don't think we did too badly without him yesterday, I must say. Mm. Um, let's get straight into it then, Mike. I'm going to come to you straight away. Looking at this lineup, this is how we always start the, the shows. Is this the, the question I've got to ask you, mate? Is this, is this the best of what we have at the minute? Yeah, for me, for me it is. I know some people want to, wanted to see Elliot on the right, potentially, but I... I think that's the best we could we could put out. Uh, there's always the argument to be made. Could you put Gakpo in there maybe for for Diaz or Nunes, who are both coming into this game somewhat on a questionable bit of form, at least in front of goal. Um, but I, I think it was the right lineup for the game. Uh, tactically, first half, you know, there's questions about that we can obviously talk about. But in terms of lineup, yeah, listen, I, I think that was the best we could put out. Definitely. Same for you, Craig. Confident when you see this. I won't, I won't say confident because it was uh, nothing to do with the team selection, you know, just the situation that we're in. Um, so stormy weather. That, yeah. you know, when I saw the, the forecast and I was like, oh no, this is going to be a week of Klopp. Our, our, the, our opposition fans giving out about Klopp and weather. 
Uh, so, <laughs> so thank, thankfully, we got the win and we didn't have to hear any of that um, afterwards. But yeah, no, obviously, a little bit apprehensive going into it with, with oh, the amount of players are missing. Um, I was actually ha happy to see Elliot in midfield as well uh, because while I guess the idea of playing him out in the right wing, I don't think he is going to be our, our winger going forward. So um, it's more suited him in midfield. I, I, you know, obviously struggled a little bit, but I, he definitely showed why we put him in there as well. He's a, he, he adds something different. So I was delighted to see him get going. Yeah, and I, I kind of agreed with, the, with what you said just a minute ago there, Craig. I wasn't exactly confident, and I was telling people this is going to be a hard game. And I think... Um, it, it did show that in the first half as to exactly why I, me and you maybe thought that, you know, it took us a long time to get into it. The lineup for me was, I think it was the best of, of, of what we have available right now, for sure. Really good to see McAllister and Jota back in there. You know, both have had their injury problems over the last few weeks. Um, so really good to see those guys starting, both of them exceptionally. And Mike, I'm going to let you speak on McAllister later on. Don't you worry about that. Um, but yeah, I think that team was the best we had. Best centre-back pairing. We've got Gomez, doing an absolute job right now and I'll speak on him a bit later on. Bradley coming in, not looking out of place, the midfield free. I don't think Elliot had a great game to be honest yesterday. I think he struggled a bit to get into it with the physicality side of things and not even just the physicality side of things. I think some of his passes was a bit um, a bit wayward and a bit off but you know, tough game for everyone especially in the first half. So um, we will get on to individuals in just a moment but Mike, mm -hmm. first 45 minutes comes and goes mate. We do struggle to get into it. We do struggle to create openings, Bournemouth for getting confidence. And yep. it did seem a bit chippy, you know, a bit all over the place. And I, I wasn't exactly concerned that we wouldn't win the game because at the end of the day, half-time, nil-nil, when this Liverpool team goes into the break at nil-nil, even if we're 1-0 down, I think we're all on the same page thinking, you know what, we're still in this game, we'll win it. Yep. But yesterday, why, why do you think we struggled a bit in the first 45 minutes, mate? Well, listen, it's a combination of a couple of different things. I think first and foremost, uh, I mentioned this in the build-up, uh, credit, hey, big up, bro. Uh, but, you know, credit where it's due, I think Bournemouth pressed fantastically well uh, off the ball. I think they set up very well for teams to try and play out from the back. Uh, and that's first five, five to 15 minutes, you've seen that especially. Uh, however, we didn't help ourselves. And, uh, you know, Klopp mentioned it in his press conference, Jones, for example. There are a couple of moments where Jones was picking up the ball deep. Uh, but he was going short when he should have gone long and he was going long when he should have gone short. And so was the case for uh, Elliot on the other side, as well as uh, the fullbacks. What didn't help us, I felt, was there wasn't too much movement on the flanks. Uh, Nunes wasn't dropping in to receive the ball enough. Gomez wasn't pushing forward. Again, same on the right-hand side as well. Uh, Bradley, you can put it down to, you know, just an experience to sort of adapting, adapting to the game. Um, but there was just a bit of people were stagnant, you know, they're, they're, people were stagnant and it's not something you usually associate with us. However, uh, thankfully, we had McAllister in midfield, who I thought added in much needed bit of composure to go through some very rough moments. Canate and Van Dijk, absolutely brilliant pairing. I think they're really developing into a very, very, very solid partnership now. And as long as Canate stays fit, that is a stunning defensive duo to have in front of Allison. So I think those three, that triangle of McAllister, Canate and Van Dijk got us through that first half um, because I've, I've, I think the rest weren't up to par or or at least weren't able to sort of impact the game as they should. When we were composed on the ball, we played through the line really well because Cliver wasn't tracking back. Christie was going wide to cover Elliot. So it was pretty much Cook versus Jota, McAllister and Jones every time we were pushing into the box and around that area. But we weren't making enough happen. Uh, but that's when tactical tweaks made at half time, which of course we'll come on to. But so that's that's kind of how one of the reasons, and a couple of the reasons why it wasn't really working in the first half. Yeah, I think spot on. And Craig, do you have anything to add to that? You know, it was just a bit. You know, we 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 didn't really seem too much. You know, too many opportunities for us to create. And like like Mike said, I think it was just a bit stale, and there was a bit of um, it was a bit flat, really, wasn't it? And Look, we yeah, know exactly. that this Liverpool team at some point is going to explode and they are going to burst into life, but it just took a bit of a long time to get to that point, didn't it? Exactly. No, like there was no there was no urgency uh, like when we had the ball and just even there was again, you know, Clapper said himself, there was no rhythm when we were trying to yeah. get past and go and get the get the, like a teams in together. Just weren't on the same wavelength we were as you know, as Mike said earlier on, you know, trying to force things a bit too early. 
and then and or the, the opposite uh, slowing it down at the wrong times as well so like these you could just see there was just a, it was it, it none of it was going right but it wasn't going that wrong either you know what which was the like uh, yeah, that's like the core the core lads in defense helped us massively there and i think that's probably one of the more impressive things for me as well is that you know we can start we can start games slowly we can have slow periods in games where we might not be killing it with the ball but we are solid defensively um and again i think the biggest issue for us so most so far this season hasn't been our defense we've been solid it's been when we've been losing the ball in dangerous positions and that's when we put ourselves at the most risk so while while we weren't at our best in the first half we did we weren't like uh we weren't playing any suicide passes either uh, and, and getting ourselves into a bit more trouble and credit to Bournemouth as well you know they actually you know they they did knock the ball around uh quite well yeah we just left too too big of the pitch to to get the ball back off them i thought in the first half anyway yeah yeah, I agree. Um, and I think you mentioned rhythm, and I think that's a, a good point that I hadn't really thought about because at the end of the day, this was our first game back. So I think you're right. I think it was always going to take a bit of time to get into it and the conditions, and people will laugh at those kind of things. But Klopp, yeah, has, he, he often speaks about the move when we win. So, you know, he's not using it as an excuse. Um, <clears throat> yeah, with the, all of those co- um, combinations and then players missing, it was always going to take a long time to settle into this game. But I think... The main point was we settled in the end and yes, it took until second half, but better late than never, isn't it? And there is one more thing I need to discuss in the first half because I want to get your two's opinions on it. It's the Justin Cliver um, stamp yeah. on Lewis. Was it Lewis Diaz he stamped on? Yeah. 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 Red yeah. card for you or should it have been at least acknowledged a bit more? Mike, I know you 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 have a lot to say about officiating, so yeah, I'll talk to you first, mate. <laughs> Yes, disagreement with me when I call it a corruption and corruption <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. well, I I, I stand on the fact that I don't think it's corruption. I just think it's blatant incompetence. Of course, it's not corruption. Um, we just <laughs> I'm I'm here to just be your kind of. Sorry to drop there. There is a case in point for Paul Tierney though. Like, yeah, um, I, I would agree yeah. with that. I, Tom, I, ch- check I, out Tompkin Times. Yeah, Mike, check out Tompkin Times. He has an actual done a, like a deep dive analysis on the decision decision making that Tierney does for us. I, uh, I have it, seen clips, either clips of that, or I've definitely seen excerpts of his decisions against us. Paul Tierney's an interesting case. I think there is something very confusing about the consistencies that we have with him. And specifically between him and Klopp. I don't think it's between him and Liverpool. That's what I will say. I don't think it's between him and the club. But there's definitely an issue between him and Klopp. And whether that is leaking into decisions or not, I don't speculate that. I do believe, unfortunately, Turney has shown he's very incompetent at times when officiating our games. I'll say that. Um, do I think it was a record? Ben, what are you going to say? As, just before you get into whether you think it's a record or not, Mike. Mm-hmm. If a referee, if what you're saying is true, and obviously it's speculation, it's your opinion. Speculation. If he's got something against Klopp, should he be fit to referee in a division where Jurgen Klopp is a manager? I think the argument that would be made is personal opinions and personal biases are always put aside when officiating at this level. That's the argument that would be made. And also they'd probably make the argument that, you know, the, the training they go through is rigorous and, you know, they, there are no biases in their decisions. Uh, and no referee should be excluded from referee in certain games unless a clear bias is there. That would be the argument made. I think come the end of the season, considering what has occurred between Turney and Klopp, both ex, you know, outwardly Klopp has said things about Turney, it will be interesting to see what the club do. Because I could imagine going into next season, potentially there could be an inquiry or there could be at least a request to lessen the amount of uh, games Turney has uh, involvement in with Liverpool. They most likely would dismiss that anyway. But that's all hearsay, isn't it? But in terms of the red card, I thought it was an orange. Which is, which of course, is what I'm going to say. But I'm, I'm not saying that just to argue with the Perrier. I do think it's an orange because I think after giving Jones a red, which wasn't a red. That's the, only, that's the that's argument. The only. That's the argument, right? And I'm right there with you. Uh, since then, every similar one that I've seen to that, has been given a yellow when seen or has been VAR reviewed when not seen and not given a red. So because of that consistency since Jones, they shouldn't change the refereeing structure mid-season. I think that is wrong. But I think they know they got the Jones one wrong. So to reset the precedent, it looks like they are now going with the consistency of that is an orange, where it's not malicious intent, 
but it is severely ill-timed. I don't agree yeah. with it personally. Can I, can I, I jump in on that, Mike? And Go on. The, the only issue, and this is where everyone will jump back to the PL, and that it's yeah. it's changing your mind after the Jones one. And we can all say that we don't think that was a red card at the time, so they changed their mind. But yeah, the counter the counter the counterpoint to that is they still gave him a two three week ban. Yeah, I, and the thing is, I'm in agreement. So let, let's I don't I don't want anything being misconstrued. Eunice is right. I'm of a similar thought. If it is a tackle that appears to be a red card in terms of causing injury, right? You know, dangerous play. I am one to give a red card. So I want to make it clear. I think it should be a red under how I view the game. However, how the refs have officiated the game this season since the Spurs game, I was not surprised that it wasn't given. So it, does that make sense? So I, th I think it should have been a red. I, I get you. I get you. I get you. Yeah, the consistent inconsistency that I have seen from the PGMOL told me right away they were not going to give a red for that. So I wasn't surprised when it wasn't given. That's what I'll say. Mm. No, I, from my, my point of view on the whole thing is that they had, and I, I agree with you. I don't <laughs> the McAllister one, now, now we're being petty, because that was yeah, yeah. the yellow. Go on. <laughs> I, I don't think the Joneses was a red was a red card, purely by the fact, you know, just the way football is played, it was, a, it was an accident. He actually got the ball first. And, and that's sim similar to what Clivert did as well. I actually don't want that to be a red card because you want people to go in for 50-50 tackles. And if the ball is in the air, you don't want them to pull out. But where they, they drop the ball is they should have rescinded or, or, or taken away the ban um, afterwards. And that's where they really drop the ball. Because you, you can make mistakes. You, there can be inconsistencies. But when you have hindsight afterwards, to then, you know, to not, to not follow through it, or to follow through on it when you're slightly wrong and then to change your mind after again, that's the issue that I'm, I'm most concerned about. I think as well for me, it feels like, sorry, it just feels like um, it's been all us, all us, all us. And look, I don't watch every single game, every other team. I, I hold my hands up to that. But it does seem like we've had a very large amount of the unfair decisions go against us this season. I think anybody would agree with that. So I feel like when you're seeing these challenges in real time and you're seeing Clive, you know, do that, you're hoping, okay, are we going to get a bit of justice here? Is it going to balance itself out? And it just, right. it never really seems to do that. It's we've been punished a lot of times, you know, the Luis Diaz goal against Spurs, the McAllister tackle that's on the screen now, the Curtis Jones one. You could, you could argue you could the go VVD. on and on and on. Well, VVD against Newcastle, of course. Yeah. And it just feels like we never get the other the other side. You know, people say it balances itself out, but does it really, Mike? I think I think it does. So right, so it, I I promise you, I don't do this for the sake of doing it. Right, <laughs> I like to say <laughs> I'm, I'm certain Mike's coming. Mike's coming referee soon or something, but I, I promise you, we don't have a group chat where it's like, all right, I'll agree, I'll disagree with these opinions today for the sake of conversation. But I'll what, take what I'll say is maybe balancing out is an incorrect thing, but. In terms of being hard done by, I, I try and watch as much football as I am, so I'll always, as I can. So I'll always watch the twelve thirty kickoff, watch the late kickoff. I'll find a stream for a three o'clock. I will watch football as much as I can. You know, <gasps> can you believe? Oh, hey, oh, oh, yeah. I don't know how I, I don't know what, what, what you mean, stream. I, I find a completely legal way of watching every game. Of move course, Ireland, move to Ireland, lads. All the three o'clocks are on. I, I live in Ireland. The, what? That's why I can watch them legally. And, but the point is, uh, <laughs> but the, what I'm saying is, the most hard done by team this season for VAR is Wolves, hands down. I don't think that should be argued. I think anyone that is sort of being up to date with Wolves should have had a 10 point. They've had a 10 point deduction via the PGMOL, pretty much. It's 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 genuinely incredible how hard done by Wolves have been, and it's an incredible feat for them to be where they are currently. If you ever get a chance, go look at what Wolves, the amount of decisions, specifically in that first half of the season up till December, that went against them. I, it's it's genuinely ridiculous. Uh, I was going to say that Palace are another side that have been hard done by uh, this season with decisions. You know, Liverpool, yes, we've been hard done by as well. Everton are another side that have been really hard done by. And this is why I say it's incompetence and not uh, corruption. Or, you know, you can say, oh, well, you know, Turney's got a thing for us. If you look at Turney's decisions across the board, Wolves have a bone to pick with Turney as well, uh, which is why I lean to incompetence. Um, so it is a frustration without a doubt. Does it balance out? I think it does in a sense that you look at the City game, a goal they scored, I believe was a legitimate goal, got pulled off for a foul on Allison, which was a very questionable Foul. Do we want to cast our mind back to it? Do we remember? The foul on Allison. Any foul on the goalkeeper? Wait, no, I'm thinking of the one where they scored. 
So uh, when they when they scored against us, if we remember, no, nah, that's a foul. Maybe he, I, when he hit his arm, hit his arms a very. That's what we keep saying. I wouldn't say he hit his arm. I think he brushed his arm. And I think if you look at the consistency of fouls on keepers this season, I've seen things be allowed for a lot worse. So there are moments like that in games where, listen, we're all looking back now, it's not chin. Like, I don't know. City fans watch that and they will go. Odegaard handball. We forgot about the Odegaard handball. Yeah, and the Odegaard. Yeah, listen, exactly. So, yeah, again, I'm with you there. But it's, it's just incompetence by the referees. Well, if it comes out in five to ten years that it's corruption, I'll hold my hands up and go, "Wow, I had far too much faith in the system." Fair enough, and I'll be with you. You know, I'll be there on the I'll be there in the picket line. But like, <laughs> it's it's an it's an embarrassment. It, you know what I mean? It's it's an embarrassment from the PGMOL this season. I'm very fascinated what occurs this summer because I think there needs to be the biggest evolution of in terms of officiating the Premier League that we've ever seen, and I'm curious to see if they yeah. take that on. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, I think that was a, a good conversation because, I, look, I am the first to scream corruption and cheats. And that's how I feel sometimes, you know, when you I was at the Arsenal game yeah. and you see, you literally see Odegaard. He literally holds the ball for, for half a second. Yeah. And it's like, how have you not spotted that? That can't be anything more than corruption. But I hear what you're saying, Mike. I think it's, it is a level of incompetence. I just feel like if this carries on, they have to be graded. They have to be have some sort of report at the end of the season and Turney, if he's not done his job well, if I don't do my job well, I'm, I don't have a job in the morning. You know what I mean? I'm, I'm, out, of a, I'm out of a job. Um, and these referees, they can just keep going year in, year out and nothing yeah. seems to change. Um, so we will move on because I don't want this to hope be a PG. Maybe that's another stream we could do one day. I will have to the... Yeah. Sure. You know what, Mike? You can host it. Uh, PGMOL uh, stream. In fact, we'll try to get an ex-referee on. I don't if know we if there's can... any out there, but if there is... Get your, get, your Tompkins, get your man Tompkins on. He, um, he, he's gone into it in so much depth in how the big decisions go against us. So, like, what you're saying there, Mike, in terms of yep. evening it out and Wolves and Crystal Palace and all that, lower teams, by statistically, are going to have less decisions go in their favour. Um, just, just the way things go, the way pressure and matches are, that like big decisions a referee is going to favor a bigger team and that has been proven by you know stats stats over but then time. the argument could be and i'm not saying this would be the argument but i'd love to see the home and away moments in in where these stats pull from because then you could argue bigger teams for the most part have a bigger pull a bigger audience the crowd yeah. pressure are they crippling some of the things that the, the pressure of it there actually sorry I'll, I'll i'll end it on this one it's a really interesting one oh. um so manchester referees greater manchester referees they are more likely to give a decision in Liverpool's favour in Manchester when they're away, and the opposite when they 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 try and they try to balance what their their perceived bias basically. So mm. like when, when they when you think that oh the Manchester referee isn't going to give thing is like no 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 I'm giving it to them here. <laughs> so know, it's like I, it's almost like an overcorrection in a way. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. He's trying almost trying hard to show he's not biased. If anything, exactly. Exactly, and, and then he goes completely the other way around. That's that is interesting. I mean, listen, if we got him on and someone who was a qualified referee at a decent level, then I listen. I, I think that's a good debate because then you've got yeah. both sides of the argument. So, and I'll happily host that. You know what I mean? That's a good read. Good read. Well, um, there we are. Okay. Twenty-five minutes in, and we've only got to uh, <laughs> to the clap and stab. So uh, this could be a long one, guys. Um, second half comes then, Mike. Um, I think we're all pretty confident. But again, I use that word confident. Was we confident? I, I, I was pretty sure we'd get at least one goal in the second half. And all we needed to do was to just sharpen up a bit, keep the ball a bit more and take our chances. And be patient, I think, because I think that's the most important thing. But these teams like Bournemouth, you know, I think they're a decent side. But you've just got to be patient. And we were. Kanata gets the ball, knocks it long. Curtis Jones, absolute sensational football player, by the way. Great chest control. Um, gives it to Jotu, plays it across the box. Nunes places it home. Such an important goal, not only for this game, Mike, but also Darwin Nunes, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. Like I, I think the tactic... So you, you, you hear a lot uh, in recent weeks about Darwin playing off the left and how that should be the way going forward. The switch we made at half-time was moving Diaz to the left, uh, Nunes down the middle and Jota playing inside on the right to allow Bradley yeah. to just completely dominate the width. And what that allowed was, you I was talking before about how we had that those, those almost like 3v1s against Cook, but weren't taking advantage of it. Now the 3v1 against Cook was Jota, Nunes, Jones was the three. 
And what that allowed was Nunes is always going in behind. He's stretching the defence, creates space for Jota on the edge of the box. And Curtis Jones obviously could just do what Jones did. Um, and that's why Gakpo ended up occupying when he came on. He kind of played into that area as well. But um, it, was, it, it was a great tactical switch. And this is what I mean about in-game management with Klopp that I've been preaching uh, recently. It's, it's been absolutely fantastic. And it's what's one of his games. Um, so by doing that, as I say, Nunes gets into that position. Instinctive finish, which I think we all agree is his better asset when it comes to being in front of goal. The less time to think, the better. Um, and that's not disrespect. It's just I think he's an instinctive finisher. It was a good finish. Um, defensively, Bournemouth will be questioning themselves how all three of those players got the amount of space they did. Um, in every single moment, not enough press on Jones. Jota had a bit too much time, etc. But again, I thought it was really good. Uh, it was a really good goal. Great way to start the half. And uh, I think I was surprised how much that affected Bournemouth because I expected Bournemouth to come back on us, but it really seemed to shatter their confidence. And I think that's where the the lack of rhythm from the break maybe caught them because um, both sides were lacking rhythm in moments. But Bournemouth really seemed rattled after that goal. I don't know what you thought, Craig. No, they were gone. You know, that was the thing. Like, but you could say, like, our players lifted up uh, two feet taller as well afterwards, which is a big yeah. thing. Like, when we're when we're confident, you could, like get you could put a bit of PTSD into. But even though it was the other way around, it was a, it was at Anfield last year. But at the same time, this Bournemouth team did concede nine goals against against Liverpool team last year at, at one of our worst points. So you can see why mentally they could break down quite 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 quickly uh, once it happened. And you know it was effortless. The goal was effortless, and that, and that's what that's what kills teams. Is like you know they. They really played well in the first half. Built built up um, some decent half chances, and they just didn't you know take their shots early enough and, and that type of thing. Um, all that work, and it, it just takes one long ball, one touch, one touch, go. Um, and and that's that's what we were like then in the second half, just comfortable on the ball. McAllister was just pulling strings around the place, and uh, it was it was a joy it was a joy to watch. It was we were back to our, back to ourselves, and you're kind of going. There's no Trent. There's no Salah. Um, mm. This, this, I could, we can spend half the podcast now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Good signs. I, I, I completely agree. I think the, the main thing that we all said when you know Salah, when we initially thought he was just going for Afghan, now we obviously know it's a bit more than that. Um, but um, <clears throat> we all said these guys just all need to chip in and I'm not getting too ahead of it because we've got to speak about Jota in a moment. But all of them. All of them yesterday, even when Gakpo came on, he was brilliant, I thought, yesterday. Every single one of them yesterday put in a shift and Darwin got two goals, Diogo got two goals, Darwin got an assist. I think Gakpo probably gets an assist. I can't. Yeah, I think he, he assisted one of them. Um, they all did amazing and I think that's what it's got to be now whilst we don't have Salah. Salah's going to get you 30 goals every season, of course, but when he's injured or when he's away of his country or lo and behold, in three or four years' time, if he signs a deal, when he goes, there's not going to be another Mo Salah. There won't be. Like He is a once-in-a-lifetime player, so you have to adapt and you have to think of solutions how you can get on without Mo Salah. And I think yesterday, that's exactly what we did. And it just seems so simple. I think a lot of the time this season, we've tried to overcomplicate it. Darwin Nunes has almost tried to walk the ball into the back of the net at times and sometimes he's he's got a chance and you want him to shoot sometimes he shoots and you don't want him to shoot uh sometimes he swings first time and completely misses the ball and i think you're right mike i think when it just sets up for him so perfectly like that um there was one the other week as well um was it who did play the other week when he scored the first time one from outside the box i can't remember who it was was it oh i know you yeah um burnley burnley Burnley, that was it. It was Burnley. Um, just goals like that. I think they're the ones where you want him in those positions. And he's really good yesterday. Not just his goal scoring, you know, every single thing about his game, he's improved this season. That's what we've said all season long. The only problem is he's not been putting that ball into the back of the net consistently. Now, I remember he scored two goals against Newcastle. It was an amazing day. And I thought, right, he's going to kick on now. He's going to go get 20, 25 goals. No problem. Like the way he's playing now, it's easily going to happen. I don't want to be in that position again. I'm going to praise him. He deserves it. I'm a big Darwin Nunes fan. This time I'm not going to go overboard because I want to see him do it again. And I want to see him do it again. And I know he can do it because he did it yesterday. And he's done it. He's done it last season. He's done it this season. We just need to see it consistently now. His performances have been consistent. He has been good. You know, he has been unlucky at times. But then again, sometimes he hasn't been unlucky and his shooting's just been crap. So I just want to see more from Darwin Nunes. I want to see this consistently because I know he can get that 20, 25 goals. He's, 
now, Mike. He could be on that now, Mike, chances as he's had. But he's on 10. It's a great start. He's got 10 assists as well. Now he needs to kick on, doesn't he? The thing is yeah. that people are, are, are kind of forgetting, if Nunes scored all of his chances, he would be the best player in the league. Yeah. You know right. I, Craig, I hate that. You want to know why I hate that? Because I could have said that for so many different strikers that are average. If they'd scored their chances, they'd be great. We're not doing this, Craig. You're a smart lad. We're no, not but doing he's that. got a point because I've got to say, you're saying, enough... sorry, I'll, go, I'll, go, I'll take over a minute just because, no, it, we're, he's, create, he's created these chances and he's not missing them by a mile. He's not miss, like, you know, we're, we're talking about, we know what they're like. You know, a few are unlucky, a few he's just, he, he didn't he didn't hit it in the right spot. Like, He's trying to should have passed it in like he did today, yeah. but he's still he's he's getting those chances. You know, no other player is a magnet to like <coughs> he is. You know, so like this, this is the thing is if we if you add in and this is what we're all we're all asking for him to be consistent finishing wise. If he does become consistent finishing wise, we're talking about one of the best, like one of the best players in the league outside of uh, De Bruyne, and and he's up there with Haaland. Yeah. But he's not. He's, he's not. So we're not having this. I'm not saying he is the best player in the league, Mike. I'm not saying that. I'm saying if he does those things, he would be. And that, that there is no question. Great. I'll put this back to you, right? So again, I'm in the camp with you. I just love arguing with you and I've missed arguing with you. I genuinely have. You're fun to I know, Come on. It's fun. That's why you won't go away for so long. You come away. You have to decompress. Oh, just, just had to let you go. <laughs> Oh, why? see, gone. See, why? You, I literally went. Um, <laughs> that was really good timing. But I, I, with the Darwin Nunes thing, I'm fine to give him praise. I'm fine to give him whatever he needs. But after the performance that I watched yesterday, I don't think he should be the striker we're talking about. Because the striker we should be talking about is Jota. Because without Jota, that game doesn't happen. Without Jota, if you take Jota out this side, I don't think Nunes even gets those chances. But it's it's... It's what frustrates me a little bit, and you see it with Nunes, and I, lo- I do love Nunes. Nunes will miss a sitter. The crowd will chant Nunes. Gakpo will score the winner in a game. The crowd chant Nunes. I get it, but it's frustrating because he's a good player. He's given a lot. I'm not someone who hates Nunes, and I do think if it clicks and he does find that form in front of goal consistently, boy, we've got a very, very special player. But we don't need to wait for that. We should be praising the ones that is clicking for. So when Jota's and scoring the way he is... Speaking of I that, just, do you want to take Jota's first goal? I'd love to. <laughs> no, I'm, listen, oh. I want to hear Craig's thoughts on Jota as well. But Jota is the best finisher at the club. Uh, just probably just behind Salah. I'd even say he's probably more natural finisher than Salah. He's a better finisher than Salah, naturally. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah, like he's. I think he's just such a natural finisher. I've seen Carragher talking after the game and he said some things where maybe... I'm too I think that in terms of natural finishing, I think he, I think that's he is. I, 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 I think I think natural. I think natural is is the word to go for there because yeah. it's a strike. He can strike it one way, whereas you know you've got Salah who can can bend it, can fucking smash it. Can sorry, excuse me. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> can I was in like is in, they're better strikers of the ball. They're better finishers because yeah. they have more. They've got more types of finishing to them. Where yeah. like Jonathan Jot has a natural finisher instinct uh in around, in around the box poacher 100 yeah. percent the best yeah 100 it's like when i when i when i look at like fowler or like a shearer or you know shares obviously very top level but what i mean or like a linica like a fox in the box kind of player mm-hmm. right it's a different type of finisher suarez could score spectacular goals it's rare you would see suarez just pop up in the right place and finish really accurately is all his goals had a person no, I, I think that one. for Suarez to just turn up at the back post and tap it in out of his 32 goals, he did a, he did a lot of that. I think like, I think there was header, headers like scrappy headers and everything too. He scored, uh, he scored a 20 yard header. I remember that. That was that was ridiculous. West yeah, Brown, yeah, those, those, really, those were the ones permanently in his highlight reel. But yeah, <laughs> I just think right. okay, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe about I'm wrong with Suarez, yeah. But just talking about Jota, I just think uh, a very special finisher. I've seen Carragher comparing him to uh, you know Fowler, uh, you know Owen and. Suarez, uh, I, th- I think he is in that com- conversation no matter what. He's in the conversation just in terms of natural finisher for us. Um, and yeah, he's just he's just a funny player. I think he doesn't know how to celebrate a goal, which is great. He sometimes doesn't look like he's even playing football. He just sort of runs about. He's got a weird first touch, but you put him in the box and he's he's lethal. Um, best finisher in the uh, Harland plays in the Premier League, brother. But like, yeah, maybe top three. Do you, do you guys agree with that statement? Yeah, um, but 
let, let's just talk about his goal real quick and oh, then we'll, oh. we'll go on to the finishing. Um, Mike, I mean, um, in fact, will let Craig do it? Uh, yeah. You've spoken too much. <laughs> I have. No, I have. Okay. So go this on. second yeah. goal, mate, is not up to Nunes, who just sort of bulldozes the defender out the way, like, as if he wasn't even there. He's just yeah, way too yeah. strong. And then Gakpo just plays it into him. And that finish to just lever it in at the near post like that. When we're talking about Diogo Jota's finishing, those are the exact strikes that we're talking about, aren't they? He just hits it so cleanly into the near post. And that's the game one, in my opinion, at that point. It's, you know, I think the great thing about Jota and the finishing there is obviously the accuracy is obviously one thing, but it's how quick he takes the shot off. You know, he, he gets it off early he, and he, he kind of has the keeper maybe on the wrong footing because of when he's taking a shot. He's not like with, with Nunes, his problem could be you can see him lining up the shot or where he's going to go maybe a couple of seconds beforehand. Whereas a Jot, he's just running. You have no idea when that ball is going to be released from it from his foot. And like that is one of the key one of the key things that you know gives him this advantage. But I, I've spoken about Jot a, a, a few times on this now, and I, I'll, I'll go back and say it again. He's got he's so intelligent. Like he can this one thing why I like him coming off the bench in a way is because I think he has a chance to study the game and kind of you know see these gaps and he will find those gaps and tell what players to do what because I just feel like he's playing FIFA with Liverpool and um, he can actually kind of control <laughs> control the players he's in career mode uh, but you no know, they, they um, so like you know, that's just obviously a joke but at the same time. He has been looking amazing coming off the bench, and we do. Uh, you can see why the other forwards can start over him because they bring, I suppose, maybe a bit more on the ball. Like us, things your know, Jada finishing yeah, chances yeah. is unbelievable. But like you know, not to jump onto the next goal, but like that is the second Go for goal. Jada in a nutshell. Like that 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 goal couldn't have described Jada better. It's like he scuffs a shot because he does and this, <laughs> this, is why, this is why when someone says he's the best finisher I have to kind of like oh, oh a little bit yes I see it but he scuffs a lot of balls he scuffs a lot of shots um, but he, sometimes he scores the scuff shots too which is the other thing because they're just you know he's he's as I said he's taking that shot early he's taking it when the keeper's not ready so they don't always yeah. have to be perfectly um, struck to go in with the way he does it but yeah he you know he, he can when he that one both goals were really well taken when he did strike the ball, but I just had to laugh. Like that is, we've seen Jada do that so many times. You can get so frustrated with him, you shouting, "Get that guy off the pitch!" And then he'll pop <laughs> up with two goals afterwards. I think as well, Mike Craig spoke about his intelligence there, and I think to just have that instinct. Oh, oh, he's messed it up. Like some strikers will probably put their hands on their heads and walk away from it, but he just knew that. Okay, I've screwed up. The chance isn't gone. And he gets there before the defender. No, even the Bournemouth fans, by the way, were like, Ray! and then before they've even finished, you know, jeering at him, the ball's in the back of the net again. Yeah, he's a, he's just a special finisher. I think it's it's that um just to be able to recom sort of recompose himself, if that's a phrase. Um, yeah. Well, you've just yeah. made it a phrase. Uh, look, yeah. I've coined it here, <laughs> but um, no, the way the way he's done that's uh, is brilliant. It really is, and just takes that deep breath and, and he finishes it brilliant. It just just I, I keep saying the word brilliant because I don't know what other superlative to use at this time of night, but just brilliant. It, it works. Yeah. No. <laughs> it's actually yes. a word. Yeah. That, it yeah. Works. Fantastic. I knew my master's degree in literature was worth the eighty grand a day. Um, but yeah, no, it's uh, no, gonna mix it uh, into the next rap now, somehow. Yeah, uh, there you go. We'll, we'll somehow throw it in there now. I know. Um, but uh, yeah, no, listen, it, it is a great finish. Jot's all round game yesterday was really good. I thought it was pressing off the ball, his work it was just genuinely fantastic. And him getting two goals, Jot getting two goals, sorry, and G Nunes getting two goals, and Gakpo getting an assist. It's just all round great for the front, the front line, I thought. Absolutely. Um, the fourth goal, actually, no, before I get onto the fourth goal. Connor Bradley, assist. Well done, mate. Um, you know, not the best assist you'll probably ever get in your career, but he did get the assist, and uh, that's all that matters. The fourth goal, um, Joe Gomez, unbelievable cross into Darwin Nunes at the back post, who all he had to do really was get a touch on the ball. But Ooh. that's not well. Do you disagree with that? No, I don't. I, th I thought that was a, I thought, like, considering what he did and where he put the ball. That was actually quite an incredibly hard chance. Fair enough. Maybe I've done him some uh, injustice there. I was going to say, I thought it was a top finish, to be fair. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. He, he absolutely nailed it, to be fair. I thought, I thought that was the... unbelievable. Yeah, delicate as anything. Yeah. Delicate, yeah. I think 
yeah, I, I think the reason why I said that is because I've seen that ball into him so many times and it just does feel like a lot of the time because the deliveries have been amazing, whether it be from Trent or Sabosli mm. or anyone, it just feels like all he literally has to do is is hit the ball. Maybe this one I, I, I you know, I wasn't right on, but, you know, I think the ball from Joe Gomez, first of all, I'm going to speak on him because I've said it so many times in, in, in these shows. I think he is by an absolute country mile the most improved player in this squad from last season. People say Curtis Jones. No, Curtis Jones has been incredible this season. He was also incredible for the last 10, 15 games last season as well. So when we're talking about most improved players, I'm not talking about players that were really good in spells last season because let's be honest, Joe Gomez wasn't. Most times when Joe Gomez played, we were on here saying how poorly he's been and, you know, potentially for a big offer came in the summer, would we move him on? Those were the questions that were being asked last summer. But, I, you know, I'll eat humble pie when I'm wrong. I'd say if you, you can get 40 million for him in the summer, maybe there's a conversation to be had. I said it on the space after the game yesterday. Had we sold Joe Gomez in the summer, we'd be screwed right now. We'd be using Owen Beck and look, Beck seems to be a really good prospect. No disrespect to him at all. But we are in a title race. Mike, you're just going to have to accept that. We are going for all these other trophies. You know, we need these seasoned pros. And that's exactly what Joe Gomez is now. You know, he came in as a young boy, developed really well, went a bit off it last season. But obviously, he's had his injuries as well, which has been a big part of that. But this season, something's just clicked in him. And it just seems like he's found himself again in this new role, which he's not put a single foot wrong defensively on the ball, which is something that's always been questioned of him. He's just been a joy to watch. And that assist yesterday, Darwin Nunes finish. Mike, it was from for both of them, it was a, a really nice goal, wasn't it? No, it was. Listen, listen, there's there's no other word I can figure out to use today. So I I use it one more time. But yeah, it was brilliant. Um but no, it's a, it's a great ball back Gomez. Um it was I think it was just as I say, like there, there's not much more to say on it really. I thought it was a very precise finish. I think that is something I look at and I go, maybe he's more unlucky than I give him credit for sometimes. Instead of because like if let's say that it is an intentional finish, which I believe it was, I think you know Craig and I believe that was an intentional finish the way he's way he's placed it. If that goes like half a yard to the right and it hits the post and comes back out, we sit here and go, he's missed a sitter. You know what I mean? And I feel like that yeah, yeah, is yeah. the way the season's been for him a lot this year, where it, it has been that half a yard difference, and it's just been a case of that's how unlucky he's been. Um, but listen, no, it's another great finish, four nil. Got three points on the board. A couple of the young lads came on, which I thought played really well as well. Uh, you know, Clark and uh, the the left back that's just names just come back. Back, thank you. Uh, both came on, played played really well. So, yeah, Ian Rush's nephew back. as well. I went back. Yeah, yeah, he's Ian Rush's nephew. nephew. Yeah. So, um, yeah, we'll see how he gets on. But he looks steady. He looks like a good little player, and we we are going to finish talking about. The, uh, the young boys in in a little bit. we just got a couple of things more to discuss. I'm going to briefly talk about the academy. Um, just before we, we move on, I'm going to let you both pick a player that you want to talk about. I already know Mike, so just hold fire for a minute. Um, <laughs> Craig, is there any any anyone there that we've not spoken about really that you think really deserves a mention for, for the game yesterday? I've got mine, but I'll let you two go first. Oh, well, uh, Kanate, McAllister. Here we go. Shotter, yeah, um, all, all yeah. fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'll say the names. You guys can do the talking now. No, uh, Craig. I want to hear you talk about a player. You can talk about McAllister if you want. No, nah, yeah, I, I don't. No, I, I'll let you. You obviously, I, I remember you have some things about McAllister you want to get off your chest, or or <laughs> or, 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 or pat yourself on the back. I'm not sure which one it is. It might be, it might be a, it might no, be a go, Yeah, well, go on, Craig. Go on. Uh, no, I'll talk about Kanati because, like, I, I'll put my my hand up and say, like, I can at times be his biggest biggest critic. Um, because I think you know there is these like popular players in in the squad that kind of they can be forgiven uh, a, a bit more easily, and I think forget for Kanate has been in that bracket because he's he's a showstopper, he's Hollywood, um, and when he when he's on form or when he bosses a centre forward, it's very evident and it's it's brilliant to see. Uh, but then we can kind of mask over like some of his uh, distribution, um, some decision making, silly fouls, that type of thing, um, which has put us into like, uh, sorry, as an example, after we drew at Arsenal, you know, I cannot had an amazing game, um, but nobody mentioned that he was what, like, what was at fault for our goal? 
Yeah, it was the one goal we conceded. Why, why, why we dropped? Three, why we didn't drop two points? Um, Kanate was actually at fault for the free kick and and the goal as well. So th- this is this is something. But but as I say now, he was absolutely uh, he didn't put a foot wrong um, the other day, and I, I I'm more concerned about him outside of the injuries as well because I put I've told you guys this before. I'm a massive Matip fan, so I was always. Really, like, yeah, if he's starting over Matup, that means he's there on merit and he deserves it, and that's a good sign. But, you know, if thankfully he's picked up his form at the same time, uh, and it's not a case of he's being played just because we have no other options. Um, but obviously, Gomez is playing too, so you can say he's there on merit and Kwanzaa as well. But yeah, he was absolutely, he was absolutely amazing. And like those big tackles, those last dish tackles, they just, uh, there's something, there's something about them, you know, because the way Van Dyke defends, it, you don't see that. Um, and you know, and it, you can kind of you know, have to kind of talk about what his aura and you know, just kind of intelligence. But with Kanate, it's a lot more obvious. You can just say, No, that was an amazing tackle, he bullied that boy there. Um, so yeah, what what do you guys think? Yeah, I'll just I'll just touch on um, Kanate real quick and then Matt can wrap up on him. But I, I, I think he's brilliant and. You mentioned Matip there. I miss Matip as well because I thought he was doing incredible up until his season-ending injury. But I think since that point, I, f- I do think Kanata has gone to another level. And I know he's made a couple of mistakes along the way. But I think you can really see how close he's been working with Virgil. And I did a, a tweet on TAT the other day. It was um, a clock press conference. They asked him about Kanata. And he just sort of like brushed it off and said, that's just what I expect from him. Like... And people, some people, I think some people read into that wrongly and thought, "Wait, why is he not praising him?" But the way he said it, if you watch the 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 video, because I think that's always important when you watch Klopp. People read Klopp quotes and think like he's just being an idiot, like he's not being nice. He, he, you could see the way he said it. The the reason why he acted like that is because he knows that if he gets like, "Oh yeah, cannot he's made it like cannot he's you know the best young centre back there is," that mm. could affect him mentally. He just wants him to keep going and he, he knows he's not the finished product yet. And that for me is the scary part. So I think Klopp's going to be reserved about him in the public, but secretly, you know, behind closed doors in the training ground, he's going to tell him how good he is. Of course he is. So I think that's the important part. This is the this is a project. This is a long-term project because Virgil van Dijk, no matter how good he is, he's not going to last forever. And we all wish he could, but he's a human being. Um, and at some stage, you know, he is going to have to go. And when that happens, we're going to have to be in the right situation to think, okay, we're not going to go spend 100 million on the centre-back now because that would be a panic buy. How can we be best equipped? And that for me is to get Ibukinote. He's never going to be Van Dijk level. I'll just be as brutally honest. Nobody will be. He's the best we'll ever see at the club. Um, But he's going to be as close to him as we could possibly get him. And I do think on the ball, he's improved absolutely massively since he first came in. Um, I think his concentration, again, has gone up levels and his positioning and his defensive awareness, all those kind of things. Um, especially in his run, like I say, since Matt has been out of the team, I think he's just took it on and took it on himself to go to another level. And yeah, he's been really good. The only problem is, like you said, Craig, he has got a bad injury record, but touch wood, he's fit now. And uh, Mike... That's all that matters, isn't it, as we speak? Yeah, I mean, the, the other thing that, of course, matters is, you know, uh, Alexis McAllister is <laughs> our best summer signing, which is what I've been saying. for. In the art of point scoring, Ben, in the art of point scoring... I still I think it's Endo. Today, but I'm now going to do it because I... Uh, oh, oh, sorry, oh, on that point, I was the only one of us that wanted Matt up to stay in the summer. You were? No, actually, yeah, actually, it, while we're all scoring, Ben was right about Nunes, Craig was right about Matip. And I'm right about McAllister. So I still think Endo is the best summer signing. No, hold on, Ben. I don't want to call you out like this, but there is definitely a pod recorded out there, and I remember it because we had the chat where you were saying I don't think Endo's it, and it was after I think it was where? a second performance. Yes, go find yes. it. Find it. Find it. It was just after a second performance. We both sat there. It wasn't a good. I think it was not the Newcastle game, but we did say something in there where it's like, you did I write him off though? You didn't write him off, but you did say he's not the yeah. player we need. I don't know. It's... I'll have to go back and watch it and find it word for word. <laughs> it's, it's like a clock quote. It's about, you know, I can't, can't take it out of context. You've got to watch the video. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, but listen, I, I do believe Alexis McAllister was our best signer of the summer. I really do believe that. And I think he's been our best midfielder this season. Um, he's so, so important. The Klopp said in his post-match interview, and I'll say this, I'll, I'll, I'll try and keep it brief, as brief as I can. Um, 
Klopp said in his post-match interview when he was asked about signing the six, he said McAllister is a... He'd never played in the lone six before he joined us, but he is a perfect lone six. There, find me a six that can pass the way he passes, that can break up play the way he does, right? And then try and find me a six that can play on his own when the defence isn't compact, that plays brilliantly. Maybe there's two out there in the world, who knows? It's very clear that McAllister is our six. People keep talking, oh, we need to go sign a, a number six. McAllister is on number six. The players are commenting on Instagram that he's on number six. You know, it's very apparent where he is. And he said in conferences himself that he enjoys playing the role. I think it allows him time on the ball. He gets to pick his head up. He dictates the game. He is a modern-day Xavi Alonso, in a way, the way he can play the game. Um, I, I think we're absolutely blessed. People keep talking about, oh, I want Thiago back, Thiago back. We are watching a player that has the potential to match the way Thiago could dictate a game, not individual quality because they're, they're different. It's a whole different conversation. But in terms of dictating the game, you're going to struggle to find a better midfielder in the Premier League for it. Um, and the fact that we got him for 35 million is an absolute joke. Uh, but yeah, game yesterday, special. Uh, he's a special player. And I think if we win anything this season, he is going to be uh, a linchpin for it without a doubt. And there we go. Uh, Craig, I'm not going to get your opinions on McAllister, if that's okay, because we, we are running low on time. But the stats are on the screen. Uh, we all think he's brilliant. I did think he took a while to get going, but, but yeah. since he's got going, he... Uh... Mate, your absolute bet... Sorry, I, I shouldn't... I've lit... Do you want to see my NFC pass? Wait, what, what? I'll literally so get up my was... NFC Glory pass right now. Uh, there we go. Uh, he wants to right know <laughs> The ticket Steven's is like right there on my phone, mate. All right, don't worry about it, brother. That's that's fine. I'm so, that's I'm, fl- I'm flying over to Liverpool in March, and regardless of what happens, if I get a ticket or not, now I'll, I'll probably. I'll, Bro, I'll like, literally. I don't get these. <laughs> Lord, I, you know, that's, no, you know why? Why buy? Tweet me on my personal account. I don't want to say anything on here. Tweet me SMX LFC. I will have the conversation <laughs> in there. Yeah. Bro, I'll, 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 I'll show you that. the games I've been to this season. No, listen, listen. I, all I'll say on that is, at the end of the day, I know I've supported this club since I was three. Yeah. You know, I've gone through Rafa, Hodgson. Well, I went through Julier, Rafa, Hodgson. Been through games. I was going games and Davin and Gog was up top. You know what I mean? Ben Tacky was up Even top. Even if he wasn't, like, so well, like, what? Someone that hides behind Diego Jota on the internet. Like, <laughs> Listen, like, you know what I mean? Like, you can't get rattled by people, man. That's obviously yeah. the... That's, that's what they're trying to do, you know? I, I wish yeah, I right. wish I could afford to go over from here every once a week. <laughs> uh, right, you're getting timed out. You don't come for Craig and Mike on this podcast. <laughs> uh, hey. go on. I, can't I, even... I don't know if you can time out Twitter users. <laughs> <Don't>... <laughs> Damn. Oh, no. I didn't even get to see um, his comments. Craig, because you're so offended by what this guy has to say, we're going to let you go first. Um, in fact, I don't know how we're going to do this. We all know right, I can save some time here. Keller is going to start. Answer his question. Going Norwich at home. Our academy, academy eleven, is it? Well, sorry, just for those listening on, if, if you're not watching, I have got the the team selector up. We are about to quickly go into the Fulham lineup because we do need to spend just a couple of minutes on the academy. Um, oh, <laughs> let's just try, and in fact, we might just leave that for another show. I think, unless you guys are, are happy to talk about it now, it's up to you. I don't mind. Um, Craig, what's your back four for Fulham on on Wednesday, mate? We go again. Um, I don't see any reason to to change. Um, when's Trent back? How how many more weeks is Trent? Out I for? think they said maybe after this one. Okay, uh, yeah. They're expecting him, Sobersly and Robbo all to return to training uh, in the build up to the Chelsea game. They probably won't be ready for Chelsea though. Yeah. So you think you you think that it's the same and Quanza doesn't come in? Oh, for the for the Carabao Cup. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Um, like, oh no, obviously I want to see Quanza play. Yeah, I do want to see him play. I think um, he comes in. Yeah, no, I think I think he will because uh, especially what we were talking about there with Canati uh, and his injury record. So I think it probably it would be the case, but you never know. Um, just this is one thing I wanted to say earlier on when we when we talk about like predicted lineups and the rotation and things like that with the, with the squad, is that you, one player himself might just say to Klopp, "No, I want to play. Like, I want the rhythm. I want to keep going." So like with with this kind of with that kind of stuff as well. Um, but yeah, no, I I would like to see Quanza play um, in the cup. He's doing brilliantly. Deserves deserves his uh, spot. Obviously, you can see why he's not playing um, in the Premiership. Hope he keeps that. Him and Keller. Hope hope that keeps going. Yeah. Do you agree, Mike? Quanta comes in. Yeah, I'd imagine. Yeah, I yeah, I'd imagine. So I think it's been great this season. Uh, great academy product. So it's great to see him come in. 
Uh, Bobby Clark and James uh, McConnell. I'd love to see them come off the bench if the game's going well as well. Just uh, keeping the field sort of like, oh my rested. God, no, really not 2-1, Mike. <laughs> not a star, but uh, I think they're both uh, talented young lads, so it'd be good to see them get involved for sure. But yeah, yeah we that back four first of all before we get your midfield. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, I, I'm with um, with Craig on that for sure. Yeah. And, I, I, and like it's nice to see Kwanzaa in with uh, Van Dyke as well because was it the Arsenal game? I felt so sorry for him. Like we had we had no Trent, we had no Virgil, so we just we had no like out ball in defense. So we were just like we had Gomez, Van Dyke, or Gomez, Kanate, and Kwanzaa trying to like you know have a full press on them, which just wasn't. They're not those type of center backs. Uh, they need one player who they can kind of feed it into. So Kwanzaa needs more time with Van Dyke in that regard, so he takes a bit bit of pressure off him on the ball. Cool, Mike. What's your midfield free, mate? We'll see if we agree. This guy in the chat's making me laugh. I can't lie. I blocked um, him. It's fine. I've got him on my phone. <laughs> no, he's making me laugh. Uh, I got called a plastic and not a local, even though my entire family's from Liverpool and I live twenty minutes away. But yeah, go on. Um, sorry, go ahead. What was the question? Your midfield three, mate. Um, midfield three. Uh, again, I can't imagine it changing all too much. So I, I can see Jones, maybe Jones, Gravenberg, uh, McAllister as your three. Probably, probably be what I'd expect. Okay, yeah, we don't really have much to go with. Uh, we have some of the young lads that you mentioned, but I, again, we're in a winning two one. It's away, it's a tough away game as well. I guess Bobby Clark and that, but I mean, Jones, Jones have a little injury. Oh, yeah, no, apparently, he was uh, he was just looking after himself, is the way Klopp's described it. So, you should be all right. Okay. <laughs> if he's not, then it would probably be Elliot, something like Elliot, yeah, or uh, mate. I'm probably inclined to think it would be that anyway, you know, because Jones played a lot of football. But listen, it's only 2 1. I think we still need our best team. At the minute, Curtis Jones is in that best team. So if Curtis Jones is fit, if he's available, as long as I'm concerned, he starts. Um, could potentially go with Elliot again as right centre mid. But yeah, I think Gravenberts probably needs a game. Um, uh, he needs to start because that's the only way he's going to get better. People have moaned about Gravenberch's performances of recent. And yeah, he, he could do better, but equally he's not getting a consistent amount of minutes and he needs games like this. So he probably starts. And then this is, this is so simple because there's nothing, there's literally nothing else we can do. It just Gakpo. depends on if you have Nunes on the left or whatever on the right. Uh, yeah, Gakpo actually, he, I think mm-hmm. Gakpo obviously comes into this and starts. He is the Carabao extraordinaire. He has scored four goals. And then it just depends, Mike, who you're going to have on the right, Jota or Diaz. I'd probably say Jota just off of form. I think we're trying to, sit, we're trying to just fi- uh, finish the game off, aren't we, really? I love Diaz, uh, but I think, yeah, I think that's the three you got to go with. I hope Gakpo gets a full game. As long as the game's going yeah. well, I hope he gets a full game because he, he does seem to get pulled off early. He does seem to have limited minutes at the moment. So, yeah, hopefully he gets a full game. Yeah, there we are. That is our lineup to face Fulham, guys, on Wednesday night. So we just run for it. It's Kelleher, Gomez, Van Dyke, Kwanzaa, Bradley, McAllister, Jones, Gravenberch, Gakpo, Nunes, Jota, and there'll be obviously players on the bench. There'll be kids on the bench. Um, and we are 2-1 up, but the game's not done, of course. It's a tough place to go. Um, we need to go and win that game because I think um, getting to Wembley at the first time of asking the season, you know, it's what we did in the 21-22 season when we were on for a quad. Um, you know, I feel like just getting to Wembley that first time, winning the cup that first time, it set us up really nicely to get the confidence. And I think when you've got this amount of new players in the team that we've got now that haven't won a trophy with Liverpool yet, you know, you're looking at this team now, there's Gerald Quanza, there's Conor Bradley, there's McAllister, there's Gravenberch, there's Gakpo, there's Nunes, yeah, Carabao, uh, Community Shield, but depends if you want to count that. So there's a lot of players in that starting lineup that haven't won a trophy with us yet. So I just think getting this first trophy would be nothing but a big boost. Um, and uh, yeah, we'll see how we get on. But guys, we are going to leave it there. I did want to talk, speak about the academy, but time just went. We spent half an hour talking about uh, PGMOL. Um, so for next time, we are going to talk about the academy 100%. We're going to speak about if, um, how, first of all, how the guys have got on that have come from the academy and how important the academy is to Liverpool Football Club. And uh, yeah, how we can see some of the players coming through, developing into the future. Uh, we will do that at the end of the full and match reaction on Wednesday because I imagine some of them will get on um, in the Carabao Cup at some stage. So I think it would be 
relevant and fitting to speak about it then as well. Craig and Mike, thanks for coming on once again. And massive thank you to our channel sponsor once again as well. Remember, guys, TAT pod at checkout, or if you go on the website, there's actually a better um, discount code you can use uh, for January. So take care, smash the likes, subscribe to the channel, and we'll see you Wednesday night, guys. Thanks, all. Yeah. Sports Social Podcast Network.